Welcome to this week's virtual drasha. We have the incredible privilege this week to begin the last of the five chumash and the last of the five books of the Torah, Chumash Devarim. And Chumash Devarim, and beginning with Parashas Devarim, is Moshe Rabbeinu going through, to a large degree, a history lesson. Remember, again, the Jewish people stand poised to enter into the land of Israel. But the people who are entering are not the same people who left Egypt. As a result of the Chaitan Raglan, the sin of the spies, anyone who was over the age of 20 died out in the desert. As a result, this new generation who's entering into Eretz Yisrael did not see many of the events that occurred over the last four decades. And so Moshe Rabinu as the leader, Moshe Rabinu as the shepherd of the flock, has an obligation to tell them about their history, to sensitize them to the mistakes of the past in order that they not go ahead and repeat them again in the future. And Moshe Rabinu begins or as in the beginning of the second Aliyah, Perak Aleph Pasek Yudbeis, speaks about the idea that Baruch Hashem, over our time in the desert, the Jewish people had become so numerous. Your numbers have multiplied, Hashem should continue to bless you. And then he says something amazing. Perak Aleph Pasek Yudbeis, chapter 1, verse 12. Tarchachem Virifchem. How can I, how, literally, how can I carry? How can I manage? How can I carry on my own? Tarchachem, masachem, verifchem. Your difficulties, your burdens, your fighting. So if you look at this Pasuk by itself, and especially then see what follows, it's not the biggest deal in the world. Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, Baruch Hashem, the ranks of the Jewish people have grown. And in fact, remember, in the next Pasuk, Moshe Rabbeinu says, we, and many years ago, we set up a judicial system. Interestingly enough, the judicial system wasn't Moshe Rabbeinu's idea. It was his father-in-law's. It was Yisro's idea. And Parashas Yisro, when Yisro goes ahead and joins the Jewish people, Yisro sees everything that's going on. And he says to Moshe, this is an unsustainable model. You have to set up a judiciary. You have to set up a legal system. You have to set up judges who could help you carry the burden of the people. And so Moshe Rabbeinu says, I can't, how can I carry on my own? And therefore, I set up a judicial system. But we know that that Pasuk, besides the fact that our minog, our custom, is to read that Pasuk in the tune of Eicha, Eicha, And it's not just because that the word is Eicha is contained in the parasha, and we read Megillas Eicha on Masih Shabbos on Tisha B'av. But we recognize that in that Pasuk, in that Pasuk is something deeper. In that Pasuk is something more profound which is unfolding between Moshe and Klal Yisrael. And what is it? What's the message? What was Moshe Rabbeinu trying to convey to the Jewish people? Because if it was just about the fact that your ranks have swollen to such a degree that I can no longer manage you on my own, there's a more positive and upbeat way to say that. But the moment you say, How could I do it on my own? The tircha, the burdens, the load, the fighting. How could I do all of this? It sounds like something else is happening over here. And the Al-Sheikh HaKadosh provides an incredible insight. The Al-Sheikh says to appreciate this statement, we just have to go a few psukim earlier. And a few psukim earlier, Moshe Rabbeinu tells Klal Yisrael as follows. After we receive the Torah at Har Sinai, Hashem said, there's no time to tarry, no time to linger. Pinu usu lachem, move, move. Why? 
I'm taking you to Eretz Yisrael. Because remember again, before the Chet before the sin of the spies, we were on a fast track to enter into the land. So as great as Har Sinai was, who says, let's go. There's stuff to do, there's stuff to accomplish, there's places to be. And Moshe Rabbeinu says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to us, I've given the land before you. Inherited. It's yours. It's yours. And the al says that when Moshe Rabbeinu said this to Klal Yisrael 40 years earlier, 39 years earlier, Moshe Rabbeinu was shocked. And why was he shocked? Because he explains the al You would have thought, imagine the scene. You just received the Torah, which solidified your national identity. And now your God says to you, quick guys, everybody gather your stuff, pack your bags. We're going in. A journey that should take a couple of weeks is going to take a couple of days. And not only that, the seven nations that are there that are strong, viable nations, I'm going to help you clear everything out. You would have thought, what would have been the reaction of the people? Thank you. Shkoyach. Incredible, overwhelming news. And Moshe Abinu says, you know, when I told this over to Klal Yisrael, they didn't say anything. They didn't say anything. They didn't stand up. They didn't bow down. They didn't say thank you. They didn't give a shkoyach. No reaction. No reaction at all. When Hashem through Moshe Rabbeinu tells the Jewish people, pack it up because we're going in. And the al said, Moshe Rabbeinu had an epiphany in that moment. You know what his epiphany was? Do you know why there's no reaction? because they kind of assume that they don't have to do anything. You see, Moshe Rabbeinu realized in that moment that if we rewind a little bit, remember when we crossed the sea? What did, Ash, what did Moshe Rabbeinu say to Klal Yisrael? He says, don't worry. Hashem yilochem lochem v'atem tacharishun. You be quiet. Don't do anything. Hashem will fight your battle. And Moshe Rabbeinu was telling that to them as a one-time event. One-time event, this time, this time, for Kriyas Yamsov, you're getting all panicked, stop, 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 stop. God has got this, I'm God's right-hand man, we, God and I, we have this together, you don't have to do anything. And in that moment, after telling Klal Yisrael that they're entering into the land, Moshe Rabbeinu realized we're expressionless, do you know why? Because they assumed, Hashem yilachem lachem v'atem tacharishun, that you don't have to do anything, that that became the new mantra of the Jewish nation. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. They thought that was the Jewish style. Okay, good, good, Eretz Yisrael, fine. Harsina is great, you know, Eretz Yisrael is great. Just tell us where to go, it's fine, not, not a big deal. They did not realize that they would have to be active participants, but not only that, they assumed that it was Moshe who split the sea. And it was, of course, with the Kaddish Baruch Hu. It was Moshe who went up and got the Torah. And so it is Moshe who will conquer the land for us as well. Moshe's got this. Moshe's got this. Moshe has it all under control. And remember again, there's another piece. There was the Chet Egel, the sin of the golden calf. Ah, Moshe took care of that also. Moshe's got it. And in that moment, Moshe Rabbeinu said, they think I'm gonna do everything. They think I'm gonna take care of everything. Moshe Rabbeinu said, I cannot live up to such unrealistic expectations. 
how could I do this on my own? You see, it's not just Moshe Rabbeinu saying, I can't judge the people on my own. It's Moshe Rabbeinu realizing in this moment at Har Sinai, where the people are expressionless, where the people are blank, Hashem told you, we're going to Eretz Yisrael, and you would have expected. Everybody rolls up their sleeves. What could I do? What do I need to do? What's my part? No, nothing. Nothing. Quiet. Crickets. Crickets. Okay, very nice. Hello. Who doesn't love to go to Eretz Yisrael? Moshe, let us know when the job is done. Let, let us know when we're there. Just wake, wake me up when we get there. When we get to, you know, let me know where, where's, 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 my, where's my villa, right? Where, where's, where's, my, where's my home? Where's, where's my tent? Just, just tell me where to go. You got this. I trust you. We love you. Go, Moshe. Team Moshe. Go, Ra Ra Moshe. Moshe says, wow, I cannot live up to these unrealistic expectations. And then it's at that moment that he utters the, the, the heartbreaking statement in the heartbreaking tune this relationship is doomed. It's doomed because you have unrealistic expectations of me. That says the al is the meaning of the Pasuk. And I was so taken by this al because, you know, dear friends, we find ourselves in the midst of the nine days, and it's not even in the midst of the nine days. It's almost Erev Shabbos Chazon. Tisha starts Matzi Shabbos. And we mourn, and we cry, and we lament all that's been lost. And we recognize that so much of what's happened to us over the years is not necessarily just perpetrated by others, but it's what we do to ourselves. It's the sinas chinam. It's the hatred. It's the animosity. You know, we can't always affect how other people feel about us, but we absolutely have the ability to affect how we feel about each other. You know, I've often wondered about this dynamic of sinas chinam. How does it happen? Because, you know, we call it baseless hatred. But the truth is, that term is always enigmatic to me. There's no such thing as baseless hatred. In other words, I might hate someone. There's always a reason why I hate them. Maybe it's not a good reason. Maybe it's not a valid reason. But there's always a reason. Baseless sounds like there's, there's no base. There's no, there's, there's no basis for it. Okay, who, normal people don't really have situations like that. But really what sinaschino, I think what often causes sinaschino, what often causes friction and animosity in relationships is unrealistic expectations. How often does it happen that there's a lack of shalom bias between a couple? Because a husband has unrealistic expectations of a wife, right? The husband expects my wife is gonna, she has to wear multiple hats, right? She's got a, she's maybe a great mother, a great wife, maybe she has a career, whatever it is, and, and also I want dinner. Or also the house has to look a certain way, but I don't wanna pay for help, I don't wanna pay for help. Is, is, is that a realistic expectation of a human being? Or, or a wife, or a wife feels that my husband should know how I'm feeling without me having to tell him. Well, unless your husband's a Navi, he doesn't have that skill set. Is that a realistic expectation that the metric of love is that your husband should know what you're thinking, even if you're not clear what you're thinking, or even if you don't know what you're thinking, or even if you haven't thought it yet, but he should know what I'm gonna think even before I think it? Unrealistic expectations. Or we get upset at our children. We get upset at our children. <laughs> Because their children don't behave the way we want them to behave, or they, they don't do what, what we want them to do. And we forget what we were like at their age. And we forget that maybe our own kids are 10 times more responsible than we were when they were their age. Or even if they're not, the kids. Kids do stupid things. Kids say stupid things. Kids don't always act in the most responsible fashion. Because sometimes a parent has to let a child be a child. They have to be a parent also. So you have to let a child be a child. But how much friction is created? And how many times with our leaders, how many times do we hold principals and teachers and rabbanim 
to a level that they can't reach to an expectation. Ah, you should have called me then. You should have been here for that. You should have gone this. You should have done that. Fantastic. You know what? Any communal leader will tell you, I wish there were three of me. If there were three of me, then maybe I could accomplish everything I wanted to accomplish. But there's only one. There's only one. So there's a limit to what could be done. There's a limit to what could be accomplished. But we have unrealistic expectations of each other. And because of that, we often create so much friction and hurt and animosity. You know, there's something called the South American monkey trap. Sorry, South Indian monkey trap. And the South Indian monkey trap is very simple. You want to catch a monkey? This is good to know. How do you catch a monkey? You hollow out a coconut. Apparently, monkeys like rice. So you put some rice in the coconut. The monkey sticks its hand into the coconut, grabs the rice. Grabs the rice. There's only one problem. The hole was big enough to get the monkey's hand in. But with the clenched fist, the monkey can't get its hand out. And so the monkey has to make an amazing decision. Do I let go of the rice and get my hand out? Or do I hold on to the rice because I want the rice? I want the rice, but yet I'm stuck. My hand is stuck in the coconut. And apparently, at least for monkeys, they can't let go of the rice. And how many times does it happen that we hold on to expectations of someone and they're just not realistic and they're just not appropriate and they're just not correct, but I hold on to them. So my hand is stuck in the coconut of the village. I can't move on. I can't let myself out. I can't extricate myself from the negativity in order to build, in order to move on. So I'm just stuck. I'm just stuck. But what Tisha B'Av, what the nine days, what Shabbos Chazon, what Moshe Abinu teaches us is to let go of the unrealistic expectations we have with each other. How much happier my marriage would be if I would just let go of the way I think you should act and accept you for who you are. And how much better my relationship with my children would be if I stopped trying to make my children into the person I wanted to become at their age, or I should have become at their age, but I failed to do so. Let them be who they are. And how much more respect we would have for leadership. If we put our leadership on a pedestal, that's good. But don't make it a pedestal that's 50 feet high. Because no one could get on there. And if you manage to get on there, no one could get off there. How much better of relationships we would have in life if we just reset our expectations, let go of the unrealistic ones, and replace them with manageable, realistic ones. Moshe Rabbeinu is so saddened by the unrealistic expectations that Kali Yisrael had for him because he realized, I'll never reach them. I'll never reach them. And it's at that moment that he realized that this relationship probably is not going to work out as it should. That generation never went in. It was a new generation with reframed expectations, new framed reality that went in to enter into Klal Yisrael, the Eretz Yisrael. And as we prepare to enter into Tisha B'av, let us hope that this is the last Tisha B'av we'll have to observe. But hoping is never enough. We have to do something. And if we lost our beautiful Beis HaMikdash and our beautiful Yerushalayim as it once was because of Sinas Chinam, because of unrealistic expectations of one another which yielded hatred and animosity, let's do things differently. Let go of the rice. Pull your hand out of the coconut. Reframe your expectations. Remake your relationships. And together, we will usher in a period of peace, a period of shalom for ourselves, for our families, for all of Klali. So in Amir Hashem, may that shalom pave the way for the coming of Mashiach, 
for the rebuilding of the third base Hamikdash here, Rabbi Amenu. Amen. Wishing everyone a beautiful Shabbos Kodesh and a meaningful Tzom of Tisha B'Av.